my name is Ethan, and I am the kids pastor here, and we are in this series called Peeled. In this series, we've been asking the question, if your life was like a piece of fruit that was peeled, would it be sweet on the inside, or would it be sour? And we've seen that on our own, we don't produce a lot of sweetness. On our own, we produce sour. But it's when our broken relationship with God is repaired through Jesus Christ that the life of his spirit begins to flow in our lives, and that begins to produce, over time, some pretty amazing fruit. So we've been looking at a list of that fruit that's found in the Bible. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. So I'm going to read that for us this morning. It says this, but, when the fruit of the, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So this morning, we're going to turn our attention and we're going to focus in on kindness. Now, if you were to go to trends.google.com, if you were to go there and just type in any phrase that came to your mind, you would see kind of the history of how frequently that phrase has been searched in Google over time. So it's kind of an interesting tool. You can see what's trending and, and when it was trending. So for example, if you were to type in today, Women's World Cup, you would see something like this. So obviously that's happening right now, and so the search history for that is shooting up. It's trending. Now, before I became a kids pastor, I was a marketing analyst, so I would use this tool from time to time. It's kind of helpful for spotting trends, figuring out what was going on in the world. But if you were to create a graph like this, and instead you were to kind of chart out how over time, over the course of my life, I have used the word kind, you'd probably find that it would look something like this right here. So you can see, obviously, it's spiked up in the past couple years. It's, it's trending right now. And the reason for this is that in 2014, something happened. My wife and I started having kids. So we started having kids in 2014. It's been five years, total of four kids later. And there you have it, voila. Kind has made quite a splash in our family vocabulary. And it's, I think it's going to continue to rise for a while. Um, it's trending, and I think the reason for that is probably obvious, especially if you have kids, you know that we say things like this all the time. We say, be kind to your sister. How can you, how can you ask your brother for that in a kind way? How can you be kind in this situation? So kindness, it's a very helpful category to have when it comes to raising children. But then what about for us? What about for us? Does kindness, is it something that kind of grows up and matures with us? Or is it something that's more like our baby teeth? Something that's helpful to have when you're a kid, you know, you actually get a lot of use out of it. But then as you grow up, you move on to the stuff that you really need to get through the next 80 years of life. So it's not at, not at all uncommon for kindness to be like this. For our understanding of kindness to kind of get stuck, bogged down at this six-year-old level of understanding and never really mature to a grown-up level of understanding. I think one of the reasons for this is that kind tends to get thrown in the same bucket as nice. You know, practically, we just treat those two words like they're synonyms. And when we need one, we just kind of reach back into the thesaurus of our mind, and whichever word we happen to pull out, it's just as good as the other, and we just kind of roll with it. But kind and nice, they're really not the same thing. In fact, if we were to substitute niceness into our passage here in Galatians 22, we'd really miss the point of what the passage is driving at. If it said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, niceness, well, that would mean something pretty different altogether. Because nice 
nice. It can be as shallow as polite or amiable or just pleasant, which are certainly good things, but they're really a shallow misrepresentation of what the Holy Spirit wants to grow in our lives. So for example, you can lie in the name of being nice, and niceness and flattery, those two are actually a pretty good pair. They're a pretty good combo. Kindness, on the other hand, kindness doesn't lie, kindness doesn't flatter. It needs to be coupled with truthfulness. Similarly, you can be, you can be a nice guy, and you can still be an absolute coward. Cowardice and niceness, they're really not incompatible attributes at all. However, kindness, that's something that's going to require courage over the long haul. You can be a nice parent and neglect to discipline your children, but a kind father, he's faithful to discipline his kids. Nice can be, it can be passive and noncommittal. Kindness, at least the kind of kindness that we read about in the Bible, that's something that calls for boldness and it calls for firmness. So our actual definition of kindness this morning is this. Our definition is undeserved helpfulness. Kindness, it's undeserved by others, and it's something, it's something that's given, it's not earned, and it's also helpful to others. It's of benefit to them. So to get a fuller understanding of kindness, we're going to take a look at the anatomy of kindness this morning. We're going to look at the pieces of kindness and see kind of how they fit together and how they operate together. And we're going to start off by looking at the heart of kindness. When we talk about the heart, we're talking about matters of motive. So the heart conceals the motive that's behind our actions. It conceals the what that's kind of going on behind the why of our, or the why that's going on behind the what of our actions. So niceness, it can have any kind of, any number of motives behind it. Some of those motives, they can be noble. Some of them can be downright selfish. But kindness can only have one motive behind it, and that motive is love. So the heart of kindness is love. And this is actually the motive behind God's kindness toward us. This morning we're going to look at Titus 3, 3 through 5 to start off, and here we're going to see this about God's kindness toward us. It says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness, and check out this phrase here, when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So here we see the phrase loving kindness show up to describe what was behind God's actions to save us. And this pairing of love and kindness, this is actually a pretty common pattern that we see in the New Testament. So when you read in the New Testament and you see the word kindness show up, you pretty much bet that love is going to be mentioned somewhere in the vicinity as well. And this is even true of the fruit of the Spirit passage, the Galatians 5.22 passage that we've been talking through for this whole series. It starts off with the fruit of the Spirit is, first thing, love, joy, peace, patience, and then kindness. So love and kindness, they go together because love is the foundation upon which kindness is built. And this is where the undeserved in our definition of undeserved helpfulness really comes from. Love is not something that is earned. It's not something that is worked for. Love is something that is it's given. It's freely given. The first part of this Titus 3 passage, it describes our status before God's grace and just how it talks about just how 
lovable we were before God's grace came. It describes how lovable we were like this, that we were slaves to passions and pleasures. We were passing our days in malice and envy. We were hated by others, and we just hated them right back. Hated others, hated them right back. So that's how lovable we were. And if God had waited for this situation to change, for us to deserve, or for us to earn his love before he acted to save us, then And frankly, just generation after generation would have been born and died without ever really knowing God. But instead of that happening, we read this. It says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, not by any good thing that we did, but according to his own mercy. So God did not wait for us to earn his kindness. He initiated kindness when we had done nothing at all to deserve it. Yet, having received God's kindness without earning it, we often reserve our kindness only for those who we feel are worthy of it or we feel have earned it or are earning it. So when we do that, we're actually doing the opposite of what God did for us. We do this when we set any kind of subjective standard about when our kindness should be dispensed and when our kindness should be withheld. So I know that this is true. I know this is true for me. And I was reminded of this over the past couple weeks because of two conversations that I had. Both of these conversations were with customer service representatives. They were phone calls. And in the first one, I talked with a lady who was just so incredibly helpful. I'm sure you've had those calls before where you're dreading the call. You call in and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that I got you on the other end of this phone call. She was helpful. She was helping me accomplish my goals. She spent extra time with me just to really make sure that all the boxes were checked on what I was trying to get done. And of course, not surprisingly, I was really friendly to her in return. So then after that, the second phone call that I had was with a guy who I just felt that he was downright rude and certainly unhelpful in accomplishing what I wanted to get done. And so nothing had really changed except for the helpfulness of the person on the other end of the phone call. But I really saw a different version of myself come out in that second phone call. In the second phone call, I'll tell you, the the, the peel was kind of pulled back. And what was underneath, it wasn't the fruit of kindness. What was underneath turned out to be pretty sour. And so this isn't just something, though, that happens with strangers on the other end of a phone call. It happens with the people that we interact with every day, with our spouses, with coworkers, with our kids. Is someone helping you achieve your goals? Is, are they treating you exactly how you want to be treated? If they are, then they're probably getting a better version of you than if that exact same person is blocking your goals or if that person is treating you differently than how it is that you want to be treated. Now, Jesus, Jesus spoke of this phenomenon in Matthew 5, verses 46 and 47. Let me read those for us. It says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? So here in this passage, the phrases uh, tax collectors and Gentiles, those are basically referring to those who have no regard for God. They have no regard for God. They have no regard for his ways. And so Jesus is basically saying, you show kindness to people who are kind to you? That's, that's great, but you really don't need a relationship with me in order to pull that one off. You can do that one on your own. Don't you, he's saying, don't you have eyes to see that even people who have no regard for me, they have no regard for my words or, or God's words or God's ways, they're doing that exact same thing. And so this kind of qualified kindness that 
we see here in this passage, this is not the kind of kindness that the Holy Spirit wants to grow in us. If you wait for others to earn your kindness, or if your kindness is conditioned on the behavior of others, then you're never going to be someone who's characterized by kindness. But when you're kind to those who aren't kind to you, or when you're kind to those who aren't treating you how you want to be treated, now we're kind of moving on. Now we're getting to the fruit that the Holy Spirit is really interested in developing in us. So that's the heart of kindness. We're going to look now at the, the mind of kindness. The mind of kindness, we're going to go back to the Titus passage, and when we do, we see that it was when the loving kindness of God appeared that he saved us. So from man's perspective, Jesus just appeared on the scene. But from God's perspective, this was something that he had been planning since before the creation of the world. Listen to what it says here in Ephesians 1.4. It says that for he, that is God, chose us in him, in Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. So he chose us before the creation of the world. So the arrival of Jesus on the scene, it may have been a surprise to many, but it was anything but kind of a spontaneous act on God's part. It was far from an impulse decision, and it was definitely not a random act of kindness on God's part toward us. Instead, it was a deliberate, well-thought-out plan for God at great cost to himself to send Jesus and save us by Jesus dying in our place. So God thought of us. He knew that we needed help. He knew that we couldn't be saved on our own, and he crafted this plan to show us his loving kindness. And if our kindness is going to reflect the kindness of God, then we need to have a similar mind as his. We need to have a mind of thoughtfulness. And so that's the, 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 mind, of thi- the mind of kindness is thoughtfulness. And kindness requires thoughtfulness because the goal, really at the end of the day, the goal is helpfulness. Kindness requires thoughtfulness because the goal is helpfulness. So to show kindness to others, we really need to ask this question, how can I be helpful? So if you're taking notes, I think that would be a great question to write down. Just how can I be helpful? Sometimes the answer to this question is pretty obvious. It doesn't take a lot of thought. But often and and probably more often than we might think, the answer to this question, it actually takes some time to really figure out and get to the bottom of. And one reason why true kind this is one reason why true kindness, it's really it's it's a lot less efficient than we'd like it to be, and it's a lot more inconvenient than we would often like for it to be, because it requires thought, and thought requires time. Before coming to Seabreeze, I was a, I was a member of another church, and at this other church, I had a leader. His name was Matt, and there's this one conversation that I had with Matt that I'll never forget. Um, I, knew, I knew that this conversation was something we were going to have. He had given me enough heads up to at least know that I was going to be receiving some correction in the conversation. I knew that he was right. I knew that I had gotten off track in some areas. I knew that he was aware of it and that that is what we were going to sit down and discuss. So knowing that, you can imagine I was not looking forward to that talk. And to be honest, my, my guard was up. I was, I was ready to be defensive going into that conversation. But then when we actually sat down, I just remember he pulled out, he just pulled out a single, a single sheet of paper and he put it on the table where we could both see it. And on that piece of paper, he had just typed out some Bible verses. He typed out some Bible verses that related to my situation. And then he had some bullet points with, with each of those verses. And those bullet points were just ways that, after his reflection, he thought, 
hey, here's how I think you can apply God's word to your life to kind of get unstuck in the spot that you're in. And the reason that I haven't forgotten this conversation, it's not necessarily because of the content of what was on the page. Now, the content was really helpful. It, it helped me get unstuck at the time. But honestly, I couldn't tell you right now what, what it was that was on the page. The reason that I remember this conversation is because I knew that Matt was a busy guy. I knew that he had a lot on his plate. But just based on the evidence of what was in front of me, I knew that he spent at least an hour, maybe more, sitting down to prayerfully reflect and ask the question, what would be helpful for Ethan? And so because of his thoughtfulness, I benefited from his well-thought-out well input. But beyond that, I actually listened. I dropped my guard, and I really heard the things that he had to say. And this, this had a huge impact on my life. The thoughtfulness that kindness requires, it's often inconvenient, just like I know Matt had different things he could have done with his time. I know that was inconvenient for him to give that much time. And it's often inefficient, especially in the short term. It appears inefficient. But it's the kind of thing that can really leave a lasting impact in somebody's life. Now, one of the ways that I try to apply this for myself, it's just a small thing, but at the end of a workday, when I'm pulling up at home, I'll just try to pause and ask prayerfully ask the question, how can I be a help to Andrea, my wife? How can I be a help to Andrea? What would be helpful for her? And then I'll just spend a little bit of time, and just seriously, we're talking a matter of seconds. It's not like I'm spending half an hour sitting out in front of my house before I go in. <laughs> just a matter of seconds, and just reflect on the answer to that question. And that's something that I don't do every day, but I, I'm pretty sure that just based on my kindness or my lack of kindness in a given day, that my wife could tell you with a pretty high level of accuracy which days I stop and I consider her <laughs> and which days I definitely don't. And this idea of being thoughtful, considering others, it's so crucial that when we as a church, we sat down and we wanted to articulate our mission thoughtfully, was the first word that, that, that was chosen to kind of lead off that statement. So here's, here's our mission statement as a church for Seabreeze. Thoughtfully inviting broken people to experience transformation in Christ. That's our mission statement. Thoughtfully here means that our first move toward the people in our community is, first of all, to carefully consider them, consider them as individuals, and then two, to work to demonstrate and articulate the truth of God in a way that really makes sense to them as individuals. So we all have friends and family and neighbors that we care about, and because we care about them, we want to see them experience the same transformation that we've experienced in Christ. And it's because we care about them that we give deliberate thought to how we go about that, to what form that invitation takes. We extend a thoughtful invitation, not just an invitation. And so that brings us to the ears of kindness. Now, if the goal of kindness is genuine helpfulness, then it, then it will require thoughtfulness. And thoughtfulness, as we've talked about, that requires time. Maybe a little time, maybe a lot of time, but it definitely requires time. And one of the reasons that kindness requires so much thoughtfulness and so much time is that we just don't have all of the information. God knows all of the thoughts, he knows all the motives, he knows all the desires of each of our hearts. And that, frankly, we just don't have access to that data. 
that's his data, it's not necessarily ours. So Proverbs 25, it says this, it says the purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So when God contemplates a heart, he sees it just as clearly as I can look at my hand in front of me. I've got my contacts in, the lights are shining, and I can see that just, that's as clear as it gets right there. That's what it's like when God looks at our hearts. When we contemplate a heart, it's like looking at something deep beneath the surface of kind of a, of a lake, of a dirty lake. What, what's down there? It's uncertain, if not just downright mysterious. And so to understand it requires drawing it to the surface for closer inspection. And because of this, if we're going to have the information that we need to show kindness by being genuinely helpful, then we need to have the ears of kindness, which is simply listening. Now, several months ago, my wife and I, um, we went to see an ophthalmologist because of this mysterious eye pain that she was having. And so we walked in, we were hoping to get answers out of this appointment. And so we walked in trying to figure out what in the world was going on. And when the doctor came into the room, you know, she looked at my wife's eyes, she looked at her chart, and then pretty quickly she diagnosed the problem, and then she um, prescribed the solution. She told us what medication was needed. And so we thought, that's great, that's what we wanted. But we were surprised that she had come to that conclusion so quickly and solved that mystery so quickly because she had done that without really asking a single question of us. And so we jumped in and we described some of the symptoms to the doctor. And then with that new information, she actually changed the diagnosis and then changed the treatment plan. And so then we offered some additional details, some more information. And then again, she changed the diagnosis and then changed our plan of action. So finally at this point, she started asking questions on her own to try to get to the bottom of what was really going on. And so my wife and I, we walked away from that appointment really just kind of blown away by the lack of kindness that we had just experienced. And you know, surely our doctor had good intentions. I really doubt that she walked in intending to, misdi- uh, to misdiagnose But failure to listen and ask questions, that led to poor information, and that led to misdiagnosis, and that led to a treatment that really would not have been helpful given our actual situation. It also led my wife and I to conclude that we weren't really sure that we could trust this doctor to have our best interest in mind, which I think was probably a fairly reasonable conclusion. Now for all of us, what a shame. What what a shame it would be if we went through life with good intentions of being kind, but then for lack of listening and asking questions, we failed to properly diagnose what real helpfulness would look like in the lives of those around us. Our ability to act with thoughtfulness toward others will always be limited if we don't stop and listen to them. So how can I be helpful? That's a great question to ask ourselves about others, It's also a great question to just ask others. How can I be helpful to you? How can I help? But drawing out and understanding what's in a person's heart, it's not usually as simple as just a two-step process. Think, listen, done. Sometimes it is that easy, but more often what we find is that it's kind of like a cycle. We have to think, ask questions, listen. We have to think, ask questions, listen. 
we go mind, ears, mind, ears. And as we do this, that's when our understanding of what true helpfulness would look like really increases. And as a result, we can dispense our kindness in a more intelligent and beneficial way. And then when it comes to actually dispensing kindness, there's really two ways that we can go about doing that. The first of those is with the mouth of kindness through our speech. In Ephesians 4, we read this rich summary of what kind speech looks like. Uh, In this chapter, chapter 4, we're going to look at three verses, verses 25, 29, and 32. Here's what it says. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully with your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. So the first thing that stands out here is to put away falsehood and speak truthfully. When we wander into falsehood, we really need to be aware that we're wandering away from kindness as well. Truth is the basic ingredient of kind speech. And kind of here's where we find some tension because while speaking truthfully may be kind, often it just it doesn't seem nice. Those two can seem at t- tension with one another. If my leader Matt had wanted to just really ensure that we had a pleasant relationship, him and I, keep things non-rocky and, and, and not rock the boat at all, then he would have never brought those areas to my attention where I really needed to grow, where I really needed to have some change. But instead, he brought, those, he brought those up to the surface. And that was a risk. Thoughtfully speaking the truth in that situation, that was a risk to the status quo of our friendship. But I'm so glad that he chose kindness and that he valued kindness more than just maintaining pleasantness in that situation. At the end of the day, we're accountable for the truthfulness of our speech, but we're also accountable for the helpfulness of our speech. The second thing that stands out in this passage is to stick to speech that is beneficial and is helpful for building others up. So not only do kind words need to be truthful, they also need to be beneficial. They need to build up instead of tear down. And if we decide to just rattle off every every true thing that comes into our minds, then we're actually going to be characterized as those who tear down rather than as those who build up. And we would actually be far more kind to remain silent and just not say anything than to be those who tear others down. But when our words, when the words that we use are true, and when they pass the beneficial for others test, we can find that our words actually have a tremendous capacity to strengthen, to encourage, and to restore those around us. In that instance, our, our words can be like the words described here in Proverbs 16.24, which says, gracious words are like honeycomb. Here we see sweetness, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So speech is one way of dispensing kindness, and the other way is with the hands and feet of kindness through action. As I mentioned earlier, kindness, this is a familiar topic of conversation in our home. In the Johnstone home, this this comes up a lot right now in our season of life. And recently, I told my daughter Millie to be kind to her sister, Clara. And so, Clara, or Millie asked me a great question. She said, how do I be kind to her? That's a really good question. And I kind of had, I had this message 
in the back of my mind. This was pretty recently. And so I thought, well, let's, let's see how this goes. <laughs> uh, we'll see if this makes sense to Millie. And so I told her, Millie, why don't you stop? And I want you to think in your mind, ask yourself in your mind, what would be helpful for Clara? And then after you do that, just ask Clara what she thinks would be helpful and then use your ears to really listen to what it is that she says. And then depending on Clara's answer, think if there's something helpful that you can say with your mouth or is there something helpful that you can actually use your hands, use your feet to do some kind action, some helpful action that you can do for her. So the result of this was that Millie discovered that Clara needed help picking up her blocks. So um, Millie used her, used her mouth to say kind words. She said, okay, Clara, I'll help you. And then she walked over, she used her hands, she used her feet to pick up blocks and put them where they go. She put it into action and she followed through to physically help Clara accomplish her goal. And so, so that's what it looks like for a child. Well, what does it look like for us? And honestly, it really doesn't look that much different. That's kind of what it looks like for us too. Now, I would, I would rather just do one big, grand, impressive act of kindness, maybe once a week, just kind of gear up for it, get it on my calendar, do it, and then go back to advancing my own agenda. But that really doesn't seem to be what God has lined up for me, not really what he's put on my plate. Instead, when I look at my week, I see that he has lined up for me hundreds of kind words, kind actions. That seems to be what he's really got on my plate. And so maybe there's a large act of kindness that God is prompting you to take. And over the course of a month, a year, and certainly over the course of a lifetime, there's probably going to be some very large acts of kindness that God is going to put on each of our plates. But grand, even those grand acts of kindness, even, even the biggest act of kindness, that's something that's going to flounder if it isn't supported by kindness in the small things, like picking up blocks. And when my dad was growing up, he lived with foster parents at a couple points during his life. Uh, one set he lived with when he was two to I think around 10 years old. And then with the other set, he lived with them during his teenage years until he went off to, went off to college. And we're still really close. Um, we, I, re I referred growing up to each of these sets of foster parents as grandma, grandpa. I really didn't have a distinction other than that in my mind growing up. So in recent years, the grandfathers have passed, but both of the grandmothers are still, still alive today. Now in many ways, Taking a child that's not your own into your home, that's one of the biggest acts of kindness that there is. I'm sure we could agree that it's certainly not a small act of kindness that they showed to my dad. But even that large act of kindness, that really wasn't what shaped my dad's life. And now, through him, shaped my life and my kid's life. What really left an impact, what really shaped my dad's life was the hundreds and thousands of small words and small actions that these two couples showed to my dad when he was living with them. That's what's really left a mark that's now three generations deep. And so this, this is the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in us. He wants to develop a kindness that goes much deeper 
and just being nice. A kindness that starts in the heart and is motivated by love toward those who don't deserve it. And a kindness that takes time to think and listen and ask, how can I be helpful? A kindness that follows through with helpful speech and helpful actions. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you set the example. Without your kindness, we would not be having this conversation. Um, God, you set the example by showing kindness to us, and it is a privilege to be able to treat others just in a small way, um, similar to how you have treated us. God, I pray that um, we would just be people who are marked by kindness toward each other, um, that you would give us kindness in the small things, and God, I pray that... um, that would just not leave a mark here at Seabreeze and how we relate to each other, but God, that Huntington Beach would be, um, be touched by the kindness of us as a church as well. Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.